Sometimes I've thought about heaven. I just can almost play along while I preach, make my preaching sound good too. <laughs> Tell you what, it's good to good to have have these musicians, different ones play, and we appreciate all that they do. Take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19, if you would please stand for the reading of God's Word, if you're able to. 1 Kings chapter 19. <clears throat> this morning we preached a message that we about living by faith, not by sight. Tonight we're going to look at remaining faithful. You know, I believe that one of the great needs today in, in the church is for folks to remain faithful. We're seeing in the last days, of course, the Bible declares that this is going to take place, that there will be a falling away. Moving away from the Word of God, moving away from the things of God, moving away from, from that which brings honor and glory to the Lord and brings a testimony for Jesus Christ. There's such a need today, I believe, in faithfulness unto the things of God. And so we're going to look at this tonight here and, and hopefully we'll give, give you something out of it. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, again reading verse 9 says, And there came thither, and he came thither, talking about Elijah here, came thither to the cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? He said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to, to take it away. Of course, we know that. This was after uh, the showdown with the, the prophets of Baal and uh, there had been no rain for the three and a half years. And, and then after that he called fire down from heaven showing that there was a God of heaven and there was not a God of Baal. And of course uh, after they slain the, the prophets of Baal then Jezebel swore that she would kill him and destroy him. And so after this great victory we see Elijah on the run. After It's amazing how that uh, after such a great victory seeing the hand of God, now Elijah is running afraid of Jezebel. Uh, up until that point, he hadn't been afraid of Jezebel. Been following what the Lord said, but there was a fear came into his life. Look at verse 11 says, And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it he, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant and thrown down thine altars and slain thy prophets. With the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said unto him, Go return thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abenhola, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. It shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. And notice what he says in verse 18. Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. 
We could read on down through 19 through 21 and see how he goes back and he anoints these as the Lord has told him to anoint. But there in verse 18 will be our text. It says, And I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which has not kissed him. I'd like to preach a message I've titled, Remaining Faithful. And let's pray. Father, we come to you this evening. We ask, Lord, for the hand of God on the service. Lord, I am not able to do what needs to be done. Lord, I do not have the words that need to be spoken. But you do, and I pray that the Holy Spirit would guide my tongue and guide me. Give me the words to say. Lord, I pray that you take control of every heart here, including mine. And Lord, would you do a work. Lord, help us to see the importance of being faithful unto you. Father, I thank you for your love, and I thank you for your mercies and your goodness to us. Now, Lord, speak to us tonight through thy word. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You be seated. You find here that Elijah had become discouraged. Uh, he had, as we said, had called down fire from heaven, seen the hand of God move. And he felt like he was standing all alone. He felt like there was nobody else taking the stand that he was taking. He felt like nobody else was living for God. He felt like everybody else had turned to Baal. He felt like everybody else was falling away from the Word of God and the things of God. And he felt like he was the only one that was left anymore. And so he began to get discouraged and he began to go on the run, you might say. First of all, he was running from, you might say he's running from Jezebel. But I think it was more than that. I think that he was running from the fact that he felt so alone. He felt like he was the only one. We sometimes begin to sing the blues because we think that no one else or very few are really trying to live for the Lord. Yet, if we really knew the truth, I believe God has a great remnant. I think God has a, uh, a large amount of people who are standing for the Lord. Yes, there are those who are falling away. Yes, there are those who are no longer serving God and living for the Lord like they used to. Yes, there are churches that no longer preach the Word of God. But there are churches that are preaching the Word of God. There are people who are standing for the Word of God. There are people who are living for the Lord Jesus Christ. There are people who are trying to get the gospel out. There are people who are still living for the Lord. You know, sometimes we get the boo-hoos, and sometimes we begin to think that we're all alone, and sometimes we think that nobody else cares, and nobody else knows what needs to be done, and nobody else is serving God. Can I tell you that God has a remnant that God wants us to be a part of and wants us to remain faithful, wants us to serve Him and live for Him in this day and time. Amen. Too many times we get that, in that position where we get down and discouraged. Satan wants to discourage you and make you think that you're standing all alone. In verse 14 he says, And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, God of hosts, because the children of Israel had forsaken thy covenant and thrown down thine altar and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, and notice what he says, even I only. He said, I'm the only one. He said, I only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And so he was discouraged. And a lot of that discouragement comes when, you, when Satan begins to attack you. Can I tell you something? If you're going to live for God, Satan's going to try to get you discouraged. If you're going to live for God, Satan's going to try to get you to quit. If you're going to live for God, Satan's going to try to make you think that you're the only one living for God. And he's going to try to get you discouraged. He's going to try to get you to quit. He's going to try to get you to give up. You say, well, preacher, where is he going to work? He's going to work in every area of your life. He's going to use family members. He's going to use other Christians to discourage you. He's going to get people to, uh, to uh, uh, mock why you, what you're doing as far as uh, reading your Bible and praying and being faithful to church and serving God and telling others about Jesus Christ and being a witness and, and trying to lift up God in song and trying to lift up the God with your life. And, and, and he's going to try to discourage you. Sometimes 
when we get our eyes off the Lord, and when we begin to look around us and we begin to look at people, people become the biggest discouragement. They begin to, to make us feel like nobody cares, and they begin to make us feel like, well, what's the use? And throw up your hands and quit and go on. Say, preacher, have you ever come to a place where you wanted to quit preaching? I'm going to be honest with you. A lot of preachers say, yeah, but they have. I can't, I, 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 no. No. Because I found out a long time ago, I wasn't preaching for me. I was preaching for the Lord. We've got to keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. Have, you, have I ever been discouraged because of the way other people are, are, are living and how Christians are doing? Sure, sure. But you know what? I, I begin to realize that, hey, listen, it's so important that I remain faithful to help others to remain faithful so that they might live for the Lord Jesus Christ also. Remember what Peter, when Peter was visiting with the Lord there in Mark chapter 14, says, but Peter said unto him, talking to Jesus Christ, he said, although all shall offend thee, yet will I not, or yet uh, will not I. And Jesus said unto him, verily, verily, I said unto thee this day, even this night, before the cock crow twice, uh, or, or even before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. But he spake more vehemently, If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any like in, in any any wise. Likewise also said they all. And so we find here that Peter said, Listen, I'll always be faithful to you. I'll always take that stand for you. I am not going. If everybody else quits, I'm not going to quit. We find that Peter failed the test. But you know what? He came back after he failed the test. He realized that, hey, listen. Uh, I need to be faithful. I need to serve the Lord. And he comes back. He repented bitterly and come back, Lord. But when it comes down to, to the time to stand up for the Lord, Peter felt all alone. In fact, you find that he followed Jesus from afar off. You find that he follows him. And, and actually there was one other that followed and went in before Peter did and went out and got Peter. But where was all the other disciples? He felt like he was all alone. Sometimes in your Christian life, I'm sure you've been there. You feel alone. You feel alone. You feel like nobody understands. You feel like nobody wants to serve the Lord like you do, maybe. But whatever it is, you feel all alone. And Satan wants to take that, and he wants to cause you to quit. He wants to, he wants to stop you in your tracks. One of the hardest times to stand up for the Lord in the Bible is when you feel like you're all alone. You know, it's easier to get in here and, and to get up and give a testimony maybe in front of folks that's, that's on the same page with you. You know, it's easy to say amen in here when you hear other people saying amen. amen. And it's a lot easier to, to uh, 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 carry your Bible in here because you know everybody else is going to be carrying their Bible in here. It's a little bit easier maybe to sing the songs of praise in here because you hear the others and you see other people uh, singing the praises of God in here. It might be that it's easy for you to get up and say, hey, I, 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 and preacher may get up and say, okay, somebody tell me about the time you got saved. You, and you may feel led by the Lord to get up and, and, and tell about the time you got saved and you give your testimony how the Lord came into your heart and life and saved you. But when you walk out that door, you walk down the street and you're all alone. And there's a group of people there, maybe folks you know, or maybe even family members. 
and God's impressing upon your heart, tell them about me. And you're thinking, I know these people, and they don't know God. And I know these people, I've heard them cuss and curse God's name. I know these people, and I know that, that they don't go to church, and I know that they, none of them saved. And you're all alone. And what happens if you're not careful? Satan will discourage you and keep you from being faithful to share what Jesus Christ has done in your heart and life with them. Because why? Well, preacher, I was, I was outnumbered. I was all alone. I was all alone. And so Satan tries to take that and he tries to discourage you and he tries to keep you from being faithful to live for the Lord Jesus Christ and do what he wants. You see, Satan will lie to you and try to fill your mind with all kinds of deception. We talk about the deception of, and deceiving that, that uh, Satan used against Eve this morning in, in her sight, what she's seen, how that it deceived her. Satan is a great deceiver. Can I, can I say that again? Satan is a great deceiver. Satan wants to deceive you and cause you to quit living for God. And so he tries different things and, and tries to discourage you to get you to, to back down and even quit. Satan will try to get you to quit while you're going through difficulties. There may be a difficulty uh, in your life right now. It may be a struggle. It may be with work. It may be with family. It might be with your health. It might be with what's going on in the nation. I don't know what it is that is called your struggle. You know what it is. But Satan will try to take that and he will try to get you to quit on God. He'll try to get you to quit on the things of God. He'll try to get you to quit on the Word of God. He'll try to get you to quit on your praying. He'll try to get you to quit on church. He'll try to get you to quit in every area of your spiritual life. He'll try to get you to quit. Why? Can I look out across this auditorium right now and I look at this and you want you are a threat. You're a threat, not to me, but to Satan. You're a threat. There's one thing that Satan absolutely hates, and that is a Christian living for God. Do you realize that the thing that you have over Satan, yes, he's powerful. Yes, he is a predator. Yes, he has spiritual strength, but something that you have, the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. And that is Jesus Christ that dwells within you. And you have all power and all might through Jesus Christ. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Uh, Philippians 4.13, he said, I can do all things. It doesn't matter what it is. I can do all things through Christ. The power of God resting upon the born-again Christian. But Satan wants you to think that you're powerless. Satan wants you to think that you have no power against him. Satan wants you to think that he is more powerful than you are. Well, in one sense he is, but in another sense he absolutely is not. Because you see, if you're on the Lord's side, the Lord is on your side. Amen. And Satan has no power against the Lord, and he has no ability. He can try to talk you down and discourage you. In fact, in Daniel chapter 7, verse 25, he says, And he shall talk about Satan, and he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. Wear you out. Boy, I tell you what, with the worry and with the, 
with the things of this. Well, you know, nobody cares. And he's, he just sits there and he rubs on you. Nobody cares. Did you ever do, come here, Silas. Did you ever, you know, as a kid, we used to do this. And, and, and I don't know where they came up. They, they called it an Indian burn where you sit there and you run your hands back and forth like this on their arms. And it, what happens? Well, you're creating friction and it begins to burn. And it begins, is it burning yet? Nope. I'm going to make it burn in just a minute. <laughs> I'm not going to do it to you. You can sit down. But what it is, it's the wearing of that skin against skin, rubbing you <laughs> the wrong way. Satan's good at that. He's good at coming your direction and rubbing you the wrong way. Trying to wear you out. I like what a preacher, he preached on that about that one time, and he said, you know what you need to do? He said, you need to use three-in-one oil on it. <laughs> God the Father, God the... God, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He said, that's three in one. He said, in the oils, the Holy Spirit of God. He said, put the three in one oil on her, brother. He said, it gets the slick. Satan can't rub you the wrong way. <laughs> the fact is, is that we need to make sure that Satan does not discourage us. We need to remain faithful. What, what can many times make it harder is that when a professed Christian we're around them, and they won't take a stand with us. They're not against us, but they won't take a stand with us. And you'll find that more and more in these last days. Can I tell you, there's going to be Christians who, they're saved, they believe like you believe, but they're not going to stand. Well, what do you do, preacher? You remain faithful. You remain faithful. You don't quit. You keep on going for the Lord. You keep on serving God. You're not there to serve them. You're to serve, serve the Lord. They cow back and they try to blend in and not really support what's wrong, yet not taking a stand for the Lord either. They're saying we have a job to do, and it determines the future. Sitting in this room, every born-again Christian, you are determining the future. Every one of us. We have an ability to determine some outcome in this life. People are watching your life, and they're watching my life. And we have the ability to make a difference in people's lives. And a lot of it has to do if we will remain faithful. There in 1 Kings chapter 19, notice what the Lord is telling. Here's Elijah. He's on the run. He's, he's, uh, he's giving up. And the Lord says, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm not done with you. The Lord said unto him, go and return thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Hazael, the king, of Syria, king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abimeholah, uh, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Each one of these Men and each one that, that Elijah went back and anointed because the Lord told him to anoint them. They play a big part in bringing Israel back to God. Now some of these players in, this, in these three are wicked people. One of them was Hazael. And he went back and he anointed Hazael to be king over Syria. And actually what he does when he... He begins to cry later on. Elijah begins to cry about the fact that Hazael will come in and destroy and rip up the Israelites. 
But God used that to bring Israel back to God. Now here's the faithfulness of, of, of that took place. When Elijah went and anointed him king, it placed within his heart and mind that there was a job that he was going to have to do, and that was to become king of Syria. Then God took that and used it against Israel because Israel was against God. And so God used Hazel, the king of Syria, to come against Israel and cause them to return unto the Lord. So many times we don't realize what God's trying to do. But he has a plan. Jehu. Jehu comes in. Jehu uh, takes over and, and he slays Jezebel. Takes the kingdom back. And God used that. He was anointed to be king over Israel again. And then what we find that Jehu, then he began to let it go to his head. And he began to think that, that everybody wasn't going to follow him. And he went the wrong way later on and messed up there. But then we find Elisha. We find Elisha that he's anointed to serve, he said, in the, in the room of Elijah. And basically what it is is that Elijah began to follow Elijah after that. And he began to, to see what Elijah was doing. And God replaced Elijah with Elisha. And the Bible says that he got that double portion that he wanted. And he actually was used in a greater way and in a more powerful way, double or twice as much as Elijah was used by God. So, what are you saying, preacher? God told Elijah, he said, listen, you remain faithful. He said, I'm not done with you yet. You got a job to do. Because what I'm going to have you to do is going to change people's lives. Sitting on this front row, we've got five young men. Can I tell you guys something? And I could go to every row here, doesn't matter what age or anything. But you five guys, remaining faithful for God is going to make a difference in probably hundreds, maybe thousands of people's lives if you'll remain faithful. See, what if we don't remain faithful? Then you're going to impact them the wrong way. Impact them the wrong way. You say, well, I don't feel like I've been called to the ministry. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't, but God still has a plan for you. God's still going to use you. It might be that, that, um, that maybe you, you take a, a job at a factory, you're building cars or whatever. Who knows? You're going to be rubbing shoulders with people. You're going to be involved in church. If you'll remain faithful, you're going to be serving God. God take you and use you in a children's church, use you in another ministry, use you here, use you there. And God uses you in a powerful way. Can I, can I put it this way? There's a young lady sitting over here that runs a bus route. And I'm not just, I'm just using her for an example because there's many in here. Do you realize that God is using her to touch the lives of Hundreds of kids. Rachel and Thomas, they had those kids down there in children's church. Do you realize that by remaining faithful? Here's the thing that I've heard over the years. People have come back to, to church at times, or maybe I've met people out and begin to witness to them and talk to them. They say, oh, I used to go to church there. And you know what I've heard them say? Does Thomas and Rachel, are they still working in children's church? And they made an impact in their life made an impact. Do you realize that the impact that, that you're making in somebody's life right now is, is important? Some, some of you here, 
uh, I've talked to people, and they'll say, well, so-and-so used to be my Sunday school teacher. So-and-so used to do this. So-and-so used to do that. And, and are they still in the church? I'll say, yeah, they're still there serving God. And being faithful makes all the difference in the world. All the difference in the world. There's some of you that have come and joined with us and, and been with us, and I've talked to people that know you, and they say, are they, and say something, they say, are they still in there? I say, yeah, man, they're serving God. And they just shake their head and say, yeah. Making an impact in people's lives. You see, but remaining faithful is so important, not just for you, but to impact the lives of those that are around us. Those around us. Our faithfulness affects the next generation. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. He says, I want you to walk in faithfulness. I want you to walk in the works that I've called you to do. Elijah, I want you to go back, and I've got a job for you to do. I want you to remain faithful. I'm not done with you yet. You've heard me often say, when God's done with you, he'll take you home. But until then, remain faithful and serve him. He said, well, preacher, I can't do what I used to do. Most of you in here, or a lot of you in here have used to drive what we always call the old standard transmission. Some of you younger ones in here, we put you in a, in a vehicle with standard transmission, and you're like, oh. Because you've never, you've never sit in one and tried to shift one. But here's why I go to that. Some of you in here, yes, you can't do what you used to do. You don't have the energy. I watched some of these little kids uh, running around. I seen, I seen my granddaughter, Cameron, her and, and, uh, and Charlotte. And they, boy, they was full of energy running back and up and down the stairs, up and down the stairs and back and forth like that before church and stuff like that. And I looked at Ronnie and I said, energy's on the wrong end of life. <laughs> when you're that young, you don't know what to do with it. When you're our age and you know what to do with it, you ain't got it. <laughs> What do you do then? If you've ever come to a hill driving an old standard transmission, you switch gears. But you don't stop. You keep on going. You push that clutch down, you bring her down a gear. If it starts to lug on you, you push that clutch in, you bring her down another gear. And you keep on climbing. You keep on climbing. Say, so what do you do when you reach the top? Well, if you're out in the country and like I was raised and have a lot of fun, you just push the clutch in and let her roll down the other side. <laughs> the fact is, is that, hey, listen, remaining faithful may not be what you used to be able to do, but remaining faithful may be changing gears. You can still pray. You can still talk to people about Jesus Christ. You can still be a blessing to somebody. You can still invite people to church. You can still pray with people. You can still read the Bible and share the Word of God with people. And so there's that ability that continues in remaining to be faithful and to serve the Lord because it's so important. We are His workmanship. We find here that there remain 7,000 faithful. Look in verse 18. It says, And yet have, I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. You know, sometimes we can get to a place and... and that we look at the world and we think that there's nobody left but us. But that's not the case. God has that remnant. Here when Elijah was by himself, he thought he was the only one left. 
And God says, listen, I want to, I want to share something with you. There's 7,000, not 10, not 15, but 7,000 that are still living for me. They're still serving me. What we've got to realize is that, hey, listen, there's others that will still continue on. At times when things seem they're, they're bleakest and we feel like the, that we're the only ones, remember that, uh, what God said, that there's, there's others. And he tells us in 1 Corinthians 4, 2, he says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Looking across this room, one of the greatest abilities that you have, listen to me, the greatest ability that you and I have is to be faithful to the Lord. Faithful. Faithful. You say, well, preacher, you have the ability to preach. You know, I can lose that. I can lose my voice and never be able to preach another message. But I can still remain faithful. You might be a great singer. You can lose your voice and never be able to sing again. Sister, Sister Norma and Janine and, and Rachel and, and Elaine and, and others can sit down and they can play the piano and stuff and do so well. But you know, there may come a time that arthritis sets in, different things set in, and they can't play no more. What do they do then? Remain faithful. Remain faithful. There may come a time that things change in your life, but you can remain faithful and serve the Lord. It may be changing some things and but there's that ability and things may change. If you're saved, you're to be a good steward to God and the things of God, stewards of all that He's given us, salvation, the Word of God, life, and all that we have is through Him. And so we're to be faithful even if others don't. If others aren't faithful, it shouldn't keep us. Our faithfulness should not be determined by the faithfulness of others. Our faithfulness should not be determined by somebody else's faithfulness. How many times have you heard about somebody getting out of church and the next thing you know, one of their friends, they get out of church. Somebody quits on God and so somebody that knows them as friends, they quit on God. Do you know what? My faithfulness should not be determined by his faithfulness. My faithfulness should not be determined by his faithfulness. My faithfulness should not be determined by my grandson's faithfulness. My faithfulness should not be determined by his faithfulness. My faithfulness should not be determined by my son's faithfulness. What I'm saying is, I will individually stand before the Lord and give an account of my faithfulness. I will stand before the Lord. Hunter, my son will not stand before the Lord and give an account for me and my faithfulness. My grandson will not stand before the Lord and give an account for me for my faithfulness. Therefore, I should not allow any of their faithfulness, whether they're faithful to the Lord or whether they're not, keep me from being faithful. I've watched in people's lives and I'm going to tell you what, uh, it's heartbreaking to see families that have struggles with, you know, you raise, you raise your kids and, 
and it seems like all of a sudden you you know you may have one or something like that that goes away and they, you've taught them all the same you've taught them from the word of god you've taught them what the bible says but when they reach a certain age they're going to make their own choices but i've seen christians get out of church because of their kids weren't faithful can i tell you something other people's faithfulness should not keep you from being faithful our faithfulness, yes, it should affect others. But we've got to be faithful enough to not allow somebody else's faithfulness, the lack of it, you might say, keep us from being faithful in serving the Lord. We've got to go on and live for the Lord Jesus Christ. In First Kings chapter 19 and verse 4, he says, in verse 4 he says, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for him that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. In verse 14, he, the latter part, he says, And even I, I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he's looking at those others. He said, I'm the only one left. And so he says, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. If nobody else remains faithful, we should remain faithful. Our faithfulness should be determined on the Lord who's always been faithful to us. Our faithfulness should be in line with the Lord's faithfulness. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 9 says, Know ye therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him, and keep his commandments to thousands generations to a thousand generations second Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 3 says but the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil the Lord has never forsaken us but has been there and all the time even when we think that we're all alone you know what when you think that you're alone y'all you stop and think about what the Lord said in Hebrews, he says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He tells us over Matthew, he says, And lo, I am with you even unto the end of the world. It don't get any better than that. He is so faithful to us. Therefore, we should be faithful to him. He's shown faithfulness through all the years of your life and in calling you to be saved and saving your soul and and faithful throughout all the troubles and trials that you go through. Hey, listen, you say, well, preacher, if he's so faithful to me, why do I go through these problems? Why go, do I go through these difficulties? I, I can't give you the answer to all of them, but can I tell you this? That part of them is to help you grow. And part of them is to help you be faithful to him and trust him. You see, in order to be faithful, you're going to have to trust the Lord. Why would you be faithful to something you can't trust? And many times what it boils down to, when people are no longer faithful to the Lord, it's because they're no longer trusting in the Lord. Faithfulness. We're to remain faithful. We're to follow the Lord in that faithfulness and to follow His direction in our lives. And then in closing, and I've really kind of already hit on this, but the Lord will use our faithfulness to establish and encourage others to be faithful. 
I believe one of the things, and I think this is so important, in fact, the Bible says, let your light so shine for men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. But I think over the years, there's some people, and I can stop, and I could, I could actually name the people. You wouldn't know most of these people that I would call by name because they were earlier in my life when I lived down in southeast Missouri. But I could call the names of people that were faithful. You always knew that they was going to live for God. You always knew they'd be there. You always knew they'd be in church. Unless they were sick or they had to be gone or something because of something else, they're going to be there. You always knew that you could go to them and they would pray for you. In fact, you always pretty well knew that they were praying for you. You always knew that they loved the Lord and they weren't going to quit. They were faithful. And they have had an impact on this preacher's life. And your life is doing the same for somebody else if you're faithful. They see that. And it will impact their lives. Oh, it may not, it may not, you may not see the results of it right now. But down the road, it will make a difference in their lives. You see, how else could they know Christ except someone is willing to be faithful to take a stand in these last days? We're living in a very difficult day. What we're needing is Christians to be faithful, to love the Lord, to serve the Lord, to be faithful to, to the Word of God, to be faithful to the things of God, to be faithful to, to share the gospel with others, to share Jesus Christ. Well, we need faithfulness today. We need faithfulness. That this world might see Jesus Christ. That He might be magnified. That he might be lifted up. That we might stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. Dr. Bob Jones, Sr., great man of God, he preached a message of do right. It was a message called do right. If you go back and you find that message, you'll, you'll hear his old gruff voice in there. He had a rough voice. And he, in there several times, you'd hear him say, do right. Do right. Do right till the stars fall. Do right. You know what he was saying? Be faithful. Be faithful. Do right. Be faithful till the stars fall. Remaining faithful. Yes, this morning we talked about and preached about it. The just shall live by faith, not by fight. Or shall walk by faith, not by fight. Live by faith. Oop, by, not by sight. I'm saying fight. But tonight, just a reminder. We're to remain faithful. Preacher, how do we do that? I think the greatest answer to that would be to remain on our knees before a holy God and saturate our hearts and our minds and our soul with the Word of God and with the presence of God. Because then you always feel that mighty hand of God. You see, Elijah was on the run. And it wasn't until he got in that cave and the Lord spoke to him. And you know Sarah talked about that 
about the wind. It talked about the earthquake. It talked about the fire. And the very last thing that drew Elijah out of the cave was the still, small voice. And dwelling within you and me is the Holy Spirit of God. And day by day, he wants to speak through that still, small voice. And I believe it would be like this. Be faithful. We love you. Be faithful. I want to use you. Be faithful. People are watching. Be faithful. And it will glorify Jesus Christ. Be faithful. And it will make a difference throughout all eternity. Be faithful. Preacher, where do you, where we start? I think on our knees. I think with a humble heart. Say, Lord, ah, I'm not nothing. I'm, I'm nothing. But Lord, there's one thing I know. I can be faithful. Help me to be faithful. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. Lord, may you be glorified. May we be found faithful. And Lord, there's struggles and there's battles. And we become discouraged and we feel all alone sometimes. Sometimes we feel like, yes, I'm going to take on the world. And when we step out those doors, it feels like we're all alone. And you're telling us to do something and we don't. Help us be faithful. Strengthen us and guide us. Use us. Lord, in these last days, as things wax worse and worse, help us to realize we're not alone. There's those that are faithful. But more than that, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And help me to remain faithful for your name's sake. This I ask and pray in Jesus' name.